Hey, welcome to episode three of the Signal Integrity Journal Fundamentals Podcast. I'm Eric Bogatin, Signal Integrity Journal Technical Editor, and today I'm speaking with Chuck Ferry, who's the System Architect Director at Siemens Corporation. Hey, welcome, Chuck. Good to see you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. So, uh, okay, I got to start out, you got to spend just a minute or two talking about what exactly is System Architect Director, what do you do? And, uh, and then I want to hear a little bit about your, your path you've taken to get to where you are. So what okay. is exactly do you do? Sounds good. And that's, if, if you ask my kids, Eric, it would be, I, I talk to a laptop uh, continually and click away on a mouse. So that's, um, <laughs> at, you know, we're having a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old, their, their vision of this is a little bit distorted. Or the other thing is, is that apparently I'm a cell phone repair guy because I went overseas to talk to people that uh, design cell phones. So it's, it's <laughs> not quite that, but um, so... Basically, we have a, a, a team that's a product strategy and technology team that's responsible for the, the roadmap. So wh what is the engineer? We want engineering focused on over the, you know, the next several years. And I'm focused in on the analysis and verification product line, which, of course, includes uh, hyperlinks for power integrity and signal integrity and 3D uh, EM solvers. So I, I'm fortunate enough to have uh, have worked you know, over the years with some super sharp guys and have a have a, have a team of guys that are focused on a variety of, of challenges in those areas. So, you know, we have one that's focused on all, all things kind of related to certies, one, one's focused on 3DM solvers, another one's focused on power integrity, another one's focused on DDR, another one's focused primarily on oh. just modeling. So, so I, so, you know, I started out, you know, years ago, learning maybe more and more about less and less, and now I'm going the other way, less and less about more and more. So, it's uh, yeah. It, it sounds like it's both outwardly focused at the applications mm -hmm. and in, inside focused on the techniques to solve some of those problems. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much everything from talking to our kind of our are heavily invested in our technology and want to make sure we're going to have solutions. They're going to meet their needs in the next few years before they renew a contract or something exciting like that, all the way to cleaning the toilets. <laughs> so it's it's a, it's a really wide range, Eric. Um, and it is it's trying to take uh, the input from all the important stakeholders, including our, you know, what what our, our marketing seeing, what all of our pre-sales guys are running into, as well as our direct relationships with, with larger customers. So it, it really is gathering all that and trying to to use that to prioritize the roadmap to figure out what do we want, what do we want development wow. working on? What are they going to spend their time on? Okay, and it's application spaces, signal integrity, power integrity, yeah. um, and is, can you, do you have a sense of the the customers that are that are directing the efforts that you're looking at in the future? Are they all like the the high end, the leading end, leading edge guys? Yeah, you know, it's it really is all over the map, Eric. We have, you know, hundreds of hundreds of users out there. And unfortunately, we hear from a smaller subset than I would like. Um, but of course, uh, all the, the, you know, a lot of the companies that used to be in the uh, business of, of creating search engines and uh, social media and everything else, software related stuff are now, now into hardware, right? They, ha they yeah. have so much data coming in that they all need their own private mega centers to store all this stuff back the truck up and dump it off. Right. So, yeah. so um, that's a plus yeah. for you guys. If, if uh, you know, the Facebooks of the world are building their own server farms yeah. and they're designing their own hardware, then yeah. they have to have the same hardware design teams as all the IC companies and all the network companies. And yeah. they're kind of duplicating it. So more 
opportunities in the market for these kinds of tools. Yeah, I, yeah, I would say, but it, and there is there's a little bit of it that's also though that it's it's kind of um, you know it, it's it's a lot of designs that are quite maybe similar to each other, and it's just mega scale and the number step and repeat. It's just they they have to be. Huh bought on before they create the first one, because when, by the time they fill the whole building up, they don't want anything going wrong. Right. Right. So, so let's uh, talk about that application yeah. space, the server farm yeah. space. Yeah. Where, where do you hear, where, where do you see the industry right now today in terms of volume production? And then where are some of the, the, the issues that, that your customers are talking about for the future? Yeah. And, and just, you know, to just kind of preface this question a little bit, I, you know, we it, it kind of, kind of in a situation where, we, we get feedback from the server guys. We get uh, auto, automotive is another huge area. Where we, we get feedback, uh, mill aerospace, so on and so forth. And, and we, we kind of get, it's, it's not as bad as, um, you know, these snippets that the kids listen to TikTok snippets, but I, I, I'm in a position, I mean, is I have to try to aggregate all these snippets from different customers and try to make a picture out of it. Right. Because what I would say is that um, what, the, the challenges that they face are seem to be, and this is, and, and I don't know if this is really new or if it just is, is obvious is that work. Then there are engineers that have this domain expertise in the area of signal and power integrity sp- specifically. Right. So they're completely slammed as far as some of them, they tell us that they have, you know, 20 designs or maybe variations of designs ongoing and they don't have enough. Uh, they don't have enough SI experts or PI experts to actually to look at everything they would like to look at. So a lot of them are really focused on trying to triage and or leverage other people, um, you know, leverage a smaller group of people to actually accomplish more. So I feel like, I feel like we might've in the past, Eric, you know, and and just to go back with, you know, kind of from uh, earlier stage when I was, um, you know, a hardware engineer, maybe, maybe 20 years ago, um, I, you know, do it actually doing kind of the equivalent of a signal integrity simulation at that point was really on a, maybe a net or a couple of nets at a time. And it was just part of the job that, Hey, I was doing the schematics. I would get a board back. I'd go in the lab. Uh, the component engineer guy would buy the wrong part. It would fail. I'd get out in the lab again with a, and try to figure out why it was failing. And then as a side job, there was this, you know, really, really hard to use uh, signal integrity or software not even made for signal integrity, maybe spice that you're trying to, to play around with. And if we go from from that all the way to zoom forward now, it's hundreds. In some cases, these, these guys, they would like to simulate maybe, they think they'd like to simulate maybe four or 500 different uh, higher, higher speed certies nets at a time. So, and, and not, not with the idea of necessarily getting the exact answer for all, but to look at the trends, find out where they might want to actually zoom in and look in more detail, uh, just, just some way to, to, to scan, scan the, you know, like Google earth, almost you start out looking at the United States until you find out where's the fire and zoom in onto that. Right. So. Okay. And among the, the different server companies that you talk to, yeah. Is there a commonality? Are they all having the same kind of problems or is everyone unique and each, each one's got a separate kind of problem? To, yeah, I, I, you know, I, and it, for me, it's not clear if they have separate problems or if they have different experts that their favorite topics are different. Okay. I find that, I find that some are, are really heavy on the material science piece, right? They're, they're really interested in, you know, are you, what are you doing with the material, electrical material properties that we're, we have? 
and you know all the way down to wanting to see the kind of the plots over frequency and everything how we interpret these things other ones are, are more worried about um you know maybe some approximations what is their fabricator actually doing to the board before before you know what they think they analyzed uh when they first created the design versus what was fabricated may not be the same thing so they they, they may want to do some some variability analysis and then and then there's there are others that um that just have some unique unique challenges because of the scale that they're they're going after and you know so it's it's if you were to get all of them in the room, I sure, I'm sure they'd have a great conversation and they have some commonalities, but the feedback that comes to me seems like it's slightly different. Some of them, you know, power, power, uh, you know, not necessarily multi-physics, but maybe multi-domain simulation where they want to, they want to look at the effects of, of, um, you know, some high power densities they do from an IR drop analysis in with a, one of our thermal tools. And for some reason, that hasn't popped up in the other one. I know they're doing, you know, they're, these people are doing similar designs, but it's, it is really interesting that perspective. It's, it sounds almost like the five blind men, blind monks, and the elephant that yeah. they're each touching a different piece of it, and that's okay. what they care about at, at the time. Yeah. You know, while, while we're talking about um, the material science part of it, so in hyperlinks, so it seems like there's a trend now in a lot of the simulation tools, they're all moving toward causal models for the materials mm -hmm. yeah. and including roughness effects. Yeah. Uh, so have you, are those knobs also included in hyperlinks? Yeah, yeah, they are. And, you know, we, we partner with, on the materials specifically partner with uh, Z0 as well, you know, because one of the, one of, you know, and I think, I think you might've had Bill on a previous yeah. uh, episode, right? Episode number two. Episode two. Okay. Yeah. So Bill, you know, he's, he's, he's done a really good job, I think, of gathering up a material library or constructing a materials library and we, you know, we have a link uh, with that because in, you know, reality, um, you know, people, people in the past, um, you know, it was really, they, they would, they would build the board and the fabricator would say they want 50 ohms. Anyway, it's, it's th that, that whole story. And now, now, you know, this, this, everything's going from um, where you write it down on a piece of paper and you pass it over the wall to where you're trying to communicate as much stuff in intelligent format. And I think even, even on the, um, it, I mean, and this probably goes along with most industries, but the kind of the, the usefulness of library data and reusing data as things mature seems to get, seems to be more valuable. So, you know, you can do a whole bunch of analysis on a design. And if you don't actually store the results in a way that you can actually under, get back to it and understand it and or reuse some of it later, then you've wasted a lot of effort and you're having to respin the wheel. So I, I feel like just the signatory domain, the need for uh, kind of data management is growing as well, right? So And do you play much of a role in collecting that data for your customers or you rely on them to in, enter into your tool, the database of the materials? Yeah, so we, for the materials, we take in, uh, you know, we, we have uh, integration in with uh, Z0 and other uh, stack of tools, but Z0 is the, the probably the, the leading one right now. Um, and we, you know, so we, we can take that in electronically, we get all the values we need. And of course, there's always improvements. Uh, people ask for extra, you know, which uh, there's, there's always one more effect everyone would like to, to, to cover. But, you know, part of, you know, part of, you know, the other, the other going back to the kids, you know, trying to explain, okay, well, we actually make, we actually make high-end calculators, really, you know, uh -huh. it's like, 
you know, it's a calculator to solve a really specific problem. And if you don't, if, if you don't understand the assumptions the calculator's making or you're, 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 you're giving it the wrong input to get a different output, you know, so. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I think that goes not just for the material models, but also the driver and receiver models. Oh, everything, yeah. How, so how do your customers deal with that? Do they provide their own driver models for right. their parts? Yeah. So there's the other the other trend we're going to is we're trying to focus on 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 giving some insight into how the interconnect behaves, in, in kind of with taking into consideration the equalization and the signal conditioning pieces that the driver and receiver can do. But we're trying to do it in the context of different standards. So for example you know, the PCI Express or the IEEE or OIF, these different firms, they, they've started to do a much better job of trying to characterize what kind of signal processing happens, right? What's, what's within the spec. So ideally what we'd like to do is help someone be able to design an interconnect that meets that standard based on the specification level characteristics of the driver and receiver, instead of having to, to uh, hunt down a very specific uh, model and get the legal work uh, in place to get that model because used to be when you know early early days we started out everything was a table based IPIS model for a buffer wasn't seen as the, the whole point of it was to kind of decouple it from the IP of the transistor level model and, to, and run more efficiently and then from that of course there was this whole initiative for algorithmic level models that are encapsulated DLLs and they shouldn't be a big IP leak but people for whatever reason tend still not want to give them out that freely. Now we move on to the, the standards-based approach. And of course, the big advantage of that is, is that um, it's not necessarily driven by the IC companies. So um, a systems company who we would work with, uh, they would, they're, they're in chat, they're in goal would want to make sure that their interconnect meets the requirements of this uh, based on the standard. And then as long as they get a component on either side that has equalization at least up to the standard you know that theoretically that's that that's the idea right so that they can they can have a little more flexibility and they can design in view of the standard not a specific ic vendor but it's not just looking at the interconnect by itself and making right. sure it meets the the yeah. s parameter masks right. you have to have some driver model of some sort to drive the signal in with equalization at the receiver yeah. and the transmitter how do you how do you engineer or define that the yeah, driver yeah. receiver. So, so, so we, we have a, you know, so in the standards world, they use, you know, MATLAB a lot and they basically take an S parameter model and then they do some signal processing to get a, you know, a pulse response out of it. And then they, they run through it and they, they run through a predefined algorithm like the channel operating margin com or something like that. And what we've done is basically created um, a compliance, we call it a series uh, compliance wizard, generic compliance wizard but it really effectively runs through the same steps. So it's think of it like a, a, um, a CERTES signal processing math library that interacts with and processes S parameter models in the same way we would expect a device to do it. So we basically have created generic components for each equalization blocks that would be in a typical IC. So if it's DFE, CTLE, um, you know, FFE, whatever it happens to be, we create these generic blocks that are constrainable with the number of taps, the ranges the taps can spin and all the, the different characteristics. And that way uh, we, we basically have effectively tunable default models that meet the standards. Okay, so yeah. they are, are models that, have, that are parameterized yeah. with all the knobs you need to yeah. match them to different standards. Yeah. 
And so if you have your own proprietary driver model, yeah. then if you kind of look at some of its features, yeah. you can map those features into the parameters. Yeah. And, and we, we've done that even with, you know, one, one, one thing now with Siemens that's nice is that there's, you know, had the ability to get online with, we actually make hardware. We have guys all over the world that are doing different things anyway from, we've always, with, with, with for, you know, beforehand we had emulators, but now there's motion control. There's guys sitting around making cool robotic arms and, and um, to get some feedback internally, I'm able to get sometimes, you know, 15 different guys around the world and find out what, what do you, you know, what are you designing? What are your challenges and get some internal feedback that's a, a little more free falling. But um, so, but for example, we, we worked with a group that were, they were specking out an IC an ASIC for this, this challenge. And, and they, they, they came to us and said, Hey, look, we, we think something like, you know, PCIe gen three or four would be a good fit. But what we want to do is we want to optimize it based on the length of the channel. We want, we basically want to minimize the amount of power because power is a big deal. Right. So, so they, they don't want to over, they didn't want to over design it with more equalization they needed. That was going to be power, you know, power hungry, so on and so forth. So we had we had the ability to use use this you know kind of toolbox we have to play around with to give them some 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 idea of what they would go back to their IP uh, supplier to to have the the IO uh, five kind sure. of so for that. so yeah. you can optimize the yeah. features of the certies for a yeah. particular channel yeah. and then use that information to set equalization settings right. uh, back at the, yeah. the devices. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I hear a lot that that folks are really especially in the server farm applications, yeah. powers everything. Yeah. And, and that um, the, the limitation, you know, you can say, well, look out, you just use enough equalization and you can use channels that have, yeah. you know, really yeah. high, high losses, but you're right. It's at the cost of power. Well, and you're, are you finding that as, as also yeah. one of the big challenges? Yeah. And the other, the other thing that we, what we hear is that, Oh, you know, the thing is, Oh, well, the, the, the equalizers are so good that they, they, they self-optimize. Right. But there's there's a latency there's a hit to that right so if 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 you're if you're basically depending on the intelligence of that communication going back and forth the driver receiver every time it negotiates uh, at least at least starting a transaction it depends on the protocol each different to do that you're basically losing your loot your your you know spending more energy to be able for it to to figure out what what are the optimal settings whereas if you can if you can do some analysis and figure out what those settings need to be beforehand set some bits and right. then you're, you're good to go so that I've, I've heard that as well Eric. yeah okay so before we leave the topic of um of servers and and yeah. the high end because i want to look at some of the other applications um uh so right now i hear a lot of folks saying hey 56 gig at pam4 is in production and it's yeah. it's being ramped in in volume um where do you see the next generation? Is it going to so be? We're, so we're getting, yeah. we, we were getting beat up not too long ago about 112 gig. And it, the, the, and when I say beat up, it wasn't beat up. It was a great customer to work with, but the, the thing is the standards were still moving around a little bit and they would say, do you have a compliance kit? Meaning, do you have some kind of models tweaked that, you know, because they didn't have, they didn't have silicon models. So, so do you have any models tweaked yet based on the standard? And we say, yes. And then, and then they say, wait, was that last week's standard or this week's standard? <laughs> so that's that's where, you know, it's it's a challenge when you when on at that that end, right? Especially when the next the next email you get is uh, for a version of Ethernet that's been out for four, 40 years or something, not quite. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 a wide range. A whole spectrum. Whole yeah. Spectrum, right? yeah. Yeah. And so are you seeing, you know, I hear that um, uh, at at 112 uh, Pam 4. Uh, uh, forward error correction is critical 
got to have that in, in, integrated yeah. in there. Yeah. Is, yeah. is no. that a feature you have in your generic yeah, model? So that, yeah. Yeah. I would say there's, and there's, there's a few different angles on that. And, and one thing I'm really fortunate about is that I no longer have to be the expert on each piece of those. So <laughs> I would say I'm, I would say I'm starting to learn to like the phrase. Uh, I don't know, but I'll check with my guys on it. So that, <laughs> that's one that I'll use that, 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 that uh-huh. yes, I, Eric, that's, that's case. And the, the other one is, uh, yeah. So in, in, in the, in the same, um, kind of, kind of along the same lines is that there's, you know, there's, as soon as something becomes critical, a lot of times, um, you know, the, it depends, it depends on where, it, where, where the IP is. And uh-huh. as far as, you know, we, we work with a, you know, customer a, that yes, this is critical and it needs to be done this, this way. And we'll, we'll do an NDA with you to, to try this out. And then the problem is you put all the effort into working with one customer and the next, you know, it's, it's not really leverageable. So that's, that's one challenge I, I have anyway, just, uh, mm-hmm. just in the, you know, the complaint department is, is, uh, you know, as you know, you work with um, you, you want you want to try to make you're you're in the academic area, right? So every everything you you, you want to your goal is to get everything everywhere, right? But then of course you, you work with five different big customers, and you know it's it's a different different right. story. So. Yeah, that's why you get the big bucks is try to generalize from the all the inputs that you get to decide where's the the real direction. Yeah, yeah. although yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 a challenge though because you know for example we have. You know, so we if I look at, you know, we we have okay. So let's let's look at the different domains. There's a different kind of let's say physics. Uh, you know, when you and I started in 2000, I want to think I thought back, but I think it was 2007 timeframe. You were starting your power integrity course, and we were we were releasing yeah. the first our first variation of power integrity tool. We supported this this cavity model. We did, did the impedance yeah. plots, and we had all this revisions. Okay, so in that same timeline, um, okay, we have DDR three ish moving 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 on from there. So then it had its own host of, of challenges, and then and then kind of okay. So then we have and then at the same time, Certes didn't stop. So we had Certes marks in parallel. So if I look at these different channels, I'm always trying to keep up with. Um, we have uh, power integrity uh, faster and faster. Who would have thought DDR5 was going to do what it was going to do? And we were going to need equalization for DDR5 and algorithmic models and all kinds of fun stuff for that. And then, and then in the meantime, Certi's got to the point to, well, vias, you probably do need to solve those vias, you know, when you get down to brass tacks, some specific examples in 3DM. So that's another, another whole area uh, to talk about. And then, and then you, then you take that the different domains, and now you apply it to the high-speed data centers. But wait a minute, now we have auto, uh, automotive. Everything there has changed. You know, from the guy who used to be designing the uh, the intermittent wa- windshield wiper uh, thing is now has a high-end version of memory to take all the data in from the sensors. So he's now doing LPDDR4 instead of the windshield wiper <laughs> motor, right? Intermittent feedback circuit or something, yeah. right? So, so I, mean, I just, this idea is, okay, you have these different physics areas or domain specialties, and then they're applied so differently between, you know, uh, automotive, uh, mill aerospace, um, uh, high-end data networking, then the really weird small stuff of the augmented reality stuff where you have these things people want to do, these C5 things where it's the, it's a, a three-wire interface that had the phase rotates. And so, 
I would say that it's it's neat. I mean, it's it's a lot of information, and you know, it, it's it is hard though to be be an ex, an expert at all of it, right? And, I'm not. and and you're really painting a picture of boy, the industry is moving yeah. really really fast. That in every field, yeah. that that boundary is being pushed yeah. farther out. And and you mentioned earlier that that a lot of the 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 large companies that are building the server farms and doing it on their own, they can't get enough experienced engineers. Yeah. Yeah. There are far more opportunities opening up than there are experts out there to, to fill them. And, and if you look at the, if you look at the SI list and I'm, I'm not super active on that, I get started with stuff, but um, if it, about, I look, you can just go through and look at the archives about three times out of every monthly archive. There's, Hey, we're looking for an SI expert yeah. or, you know, this, that, or the other. And uh, then, the, then the, then the other one not forget is, is a more uh, advanced packaging or what's it's probably not even advanced anymore, but you know, they're migrating more of the memory system in into package high high density advanced packaging, and you know so that's another whole vector, yeah. I guess, right? But before we leave the technical side of it, I wanted to ask about uh, DDR four and five. So mm -hmm. you're finding DDR five is now starting in production and starting yeah, to so designs are coming out. So what we're finding is that people are starting to design. We're, we're starting starting in there. It, kind of the initial mid design phase on the leading edge. But what we're finding is that there's a big challenge around modeling. We have, we have at least one vendor that's, um, that's, you know, and, and to, to back up the reason there's transition from DDR4 to DDR5, as you know, is that there's previously there, there, you know, in some, in some, some cases people did use equalization, but it wasn't really assumed to be the norm, the norm, and it wasn't included in the standard um, because the standard for on the DDR front, uh, by JEDEC really, really only covers the, the DRAM piece and doesn't cover the controller piece. So on DDR5 though, um, it's, it's assumed there's, there's equalization and on the, on the DRAM piece. And that actually uh, standard IBIS modeling doesn't handle that really well. So now we're moving to where you, you would need an algorithmic uh, AMI model to handle that. And the, the go back to, you know, going back to the, the, kind of uh, availability of that is is kind of tricky there. I'd say that there's at least one memory vendor out there that's done a really good job historically with modeling to produce it. But then on the controller side, it doesn't seem to be that, you know, heavily. And then if you look at the the topology, what's currently every all the work supported, there's a there's a buffer on there's like a a uh, uh, it's called RCD. It's basically like an inline uh, register buffer on the, the dim and and, and we haven't found people. We, so we found people that said, hey, I'm, I'm doing DDR5. I'd like to do simulation. They so like, oh, that's great. Do you have models for your, um, you know, for your your DRAM and your controller? It's like, well, we have we have something, you know, we have a little bit, you know, and it's not it. I would say right now that's that's the pain point that uh, and we're, we're working with where we're collaborating. We're going to we're going we're gonna to try to focus on making some kind of a spec level model based on uh, the best information we can gather from the, the the intention of the standard of what level of equalization and and to try to try to promote that a bit as well but that's you know that's it's still in process but i would say yes it's ddr5 is starting to come on but it really is um you know we're you know at the same time we get these these gargantuan ddr4 designs that have so many ranks and loads out there that make it really challenging it's it's um 
you know, and there's there's always an overlap between changing from one DDR4 to DDR5. So, but I, I'd say, yeah, it's it 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 looks like it's um it's definitely moving. So the challenge in DDR5 is adding the equalization from the DRAM side. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say the challenge you're seeing in the DDR4 is just the number of nets that are you're trying to simulate at one time? Yeah, yeah, I would say that the, the well uh, number of nets, and then the other piece of it is um, especially in the the uh, higher volume segments are are is uh, poor return paths. So basically, we're getting. Um, you know, in, what, what we find is that when, when, when a company and you, even in the data networking side, they, they do their first, they do their first 56 gig um, uh, series link and they throw their best experts at it and it works. And then they said, well, that wasn't too bad. Let's do, let's do five more. And they don't throw their best experts on it and it doesn't work. Right. And the same thing, I think, oh, yeah, DDR4 is not that hard. It's been around a while. And, you know, so I actually think that what we see with CERTES is, is people traditionally say, oh, well, we don't really have too many problems with our CERTES. Well, okay, so are you paying attention to everything else in the same way you're paying attention to CERTES? Like, eh, no. So we see, we see um, a guy on my team that's focused on DDR. said, okay, why don't you, and he's, he, he's, he's done, uh, been in the position of reviewing DDR boards all day long, as far as from, for vendors, you know, just doing design reviews and said, okay, well, can you, can you try to sift through these boards and find some characteristic boards that show typical problems that you have? Okay. So is it because of a trace to trace crosstalk issue? Is it because they're routing traces over through areas that are so highly perforated that the, the return paths are somehow commingling and causing noise? Or is it, um, the BGA breakout, um, you know, the vias uh, are there, there's not a, enough good uh, return, so you're getting, you know, via to via coupling through the cavities, or you know, so we try to characterize these things, and of course, it's all over the map, and it's it's really what we what we see is that as DDR4 goes up, you know, you 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 know, if, if you design at the lower data rates, it's not so bad, but um, every, you know, you start bleeding from multiple cuts. So you have a little bit of crosstalk trace to trace. You have a little bit of via to via through the cavity. You have a little bit of, of you didn't compensate for the skew that was in the package on the board. And, you know, we, you know, we, so we, you know, if any one of those things, what we're finding is you can't really say, well, we found this failure and it was because of this. We're finding a lot of these hiring things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, well, it's, it's probably because this, this, and this. And if you would have done, you know, any one of these better, you might have been more on the margin, right? But so I don't know if you ran that too, Eric. Or yeah, well, I, I call it death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, you, yeah. You, it's all the little things yeah. keep adding up. Yeah. There are pathological problems that yeah. this is going to kill it by itself, yep. and then there's the, the the just the adding up all the little ones. Yeah, and, yeah. So you're saying that hey, if you if you pay more attention to uh, in following good design practices a little better. To yeah. minimize those those small excursions from yeah. from good quality, then uh, that's going to go a long way to, to fixing the problem. But you're never going to know unless you do a full system simulation that includes all these yeah. effects. Yeah, yeah. And, and and if you know, and it's the cost piece, right? I mean, you know, uh, in engineering's about what you can do. Uh, it can do for a dollar, but then now it's, it's really not, well, it's not just what you can, what you can make for a dollar. It's what can you make that's going to be reliable for a dollar. And then uh-huh. it's what you can make. And you get all these, uh, these, these additional <laughs> constraints that, you know, yeah. what, what's, what can you do that you're going to be able to get parts for <laughs> the supply chain? You know, it's, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. So before we quit here, 
Um, you know, I hear over and over again, I get notes from um, uh, engineering managers. They're always looking for signal integrity folks yeah. and they'll take students and then uh, groom them uh, internally. Yeah. Um, do you have any recommendations for students that are out there of uh, the kind of uh, things they should be studying and what would help prepare them for opportunities at companies like uh, your organization, Siemens? Well, historically, you know, we've had pretty good luck with your students, Eric. So if they, they show up to see you, that's a good start. <laughs> Take your class. But, um, good. Yeah, you know, I, I actually personally, I, I actually prefer to find somebody who's actually had a couple years of design work and has been had some exposure to the lab, to a lab um, who's, um, ha- you know, our best customers and probably students are people that have designed boards that have had problems and they had to figure out what went wrong. Um, so, um, so a little bit of hands-on experience in designing real circuits. I, I think for sure. Okay. And, and the other piece is some, some people, uh, some people just really enjoy, and I, w- I would say almost get addicted to s- simulating. Does it match their intuition? They tweak it. What was different? I mean, they're, you know, that ha- hacking around on it, like you, you know, would say right i mean so there there seems to be just a subset of people that just really yeah. enjoy analysis right yeah. yeah very good okay hey chuck this has been great it's all the time we have right now um thank you so much for joining us today um this concludes today's episode thanks so much chuck for taking the time and sharing your experiences and insight and to our listeners please check out the signal integrity journal fundamentals podcast and future Uh, episodes online at podcast.signalintegrityjournal.com. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. 